So welcome to Reflection as a Service. We're back. We're glad to have everybody tonight. How are you doing, James? I'm doing good. Good. Well, tonight we have our number one fan on. I think Brian is our very first fan and our biggest fan. Brian Goat is going to join us. I'm very excited about it. And we're going to talk about continued learning, continual learning. And I think it's going to be awesome. So apparently there was something that came up in uh, one of our conversations recently, one of our episodes where... Brian was listening. It was in the episode about what not to test. And I said something about, um, he's going to tell us in a little bit, but something about study your craft, I think was what, what he keyed in on. And he reached out to me on Twitter or somewhere and said, Hey, I'd really like to talk about that. And we're all about guests and having people on. Um, but yeah, so before we get into it, how's your week been? My week? Yeah. Well, it just started. Uh, but I, I donated platelets on Saturday. Oh, okay. All right. Is that something you normally do? No, it's not. So I donated blood in December, and I, they screen your blood for infectious diseases for some reason. And they said, hey, you have a, you have a relatively high platelet count. Would you consider donating platelets? Uh, and as, uh, as I learned, uh, folks that are undergoing treatments for cancer, um, uh, chemotherapy, for example, it really interferes with their platelet production. So they're always looking for platelet donors. And a very small percentage of people donate blood, and an even smaller percentage of people that donate blood donate platelets. So um, I was a little apprehensive because it involves more machinery. They actively cycle your blood in and out of this machine. It, it sounded very uh, kind of intimidating, right? Yeah. So, um, But I got there, and uh, they were great. And um, they said, you know, you might notice as the machine is pumping blood back into you that the anticoagulant will make your... Their lips tingle. You'll get a slight metallic taste in your mouth. It's perfectly fine, perfectly normal. Let us know if it bothers you. We can give you some cheese to eat. It makes the taste go away. And I said, sure. And so the the machine, you can see it working. The apheresis machine, you can see the blood going out and you can see it coming back in. And it's a little a little weird. But then I noticed I was like, oh, there's that little tingling in my lips, and I can feel the taste in my mouth. Like that's a little strange. And then I was like. Why is everything so funny? <laughs> and I got the biggest grin on my face. And the nurse walks over and she says, Well, Mr. Jeffers, how are you feeling? And I said, I got to tell you, I feel really good. And she's like, Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, I feel kind of euphoric. And she's like, Yeah, that's the anticoagulant. That's one of its side effects. And I'm like, This is great. So every, once every four or five minutes, uh, for 45 minutes, it was like taking a shot of whiskey. <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. Well, that's something I've never tried. And this sounds like you're going to keep doing it. Is that right? Yeah. You can donate. Um, well, they can't stop. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they, they said that you, you can donate up to 28 times a year gotcha. for platelets because you can regenerate platelets pretty quickly. Um, so I'm going to go back in a couple of weeks and donate some more platelets and help some folks out. Um, if you go on Mondays or Fridays, they feed you lunch. So, you know, it's a win-win proposition. Wow. That's awesome. And it's really cool that you did that. So, um, I look forward to hearing more about that at some point. Okay. Reflection as a service. We're here to talk about entrepreneurship and software engineering. And every once in a while, a little bit of test automation tonight. We have Brian Goat. He is from digital Smith. He's a tester at digital Smith and Brian, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. We're excited to have you here, man. So how come you're our biggest fan? Uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of uh, have just been kept in, keeping up with you guys and have enjoyed the different episodes that I've listened to. I think you guys have a lot of, a lot of interesting things to talk about. And, you know, since I'm a, a tester, I enjoy 
you know, learning a lot of new things. Cool. Well, so there was something we said that stuck with you and you wanted to talk about here. What exactly happened? Uh, yeah. So I was listening to your episode the other day about uh, what not to test. And um, I think it was somewhere in the middle of the episode that uh, I really found myself nodding and and saying, yes, yes, that's exactly what is uh, what, what people need to be doing. And one of those statements that you made were, was, um, you need to be studying your craft. And that's something that I have really been latching onto uh, the past couple of years, just in my own life and, uh, you know, my own professional career. And I think it's really interesting how many people don't actually do so. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and you know, what's funny is I think in your career, it's easy to go back and forth where there are periods of time where it's easy to spend time and put time into your craft and learn about it. And there are other times when you're just not able to for one reason or the other. Right. Um, yeah. And I imagine you've experienced that as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like one of those times is probably uh, right about now. Uh, probably <laughs> <laughs> since I just had a, my, my wife just gave birth to, uh, to a son. Congratulations. Son, and he's actually a leap year, leap day baby. So I was wondering if that had happened because I knew yeah. that's what you wanted. Uh, well, no, well, <laughs> I didn't actually say I wanted that. I, I just said there was a very likely chance that that was going to happen uh, considering the due date that she was originally given was March 12th, but I I knew that with my previous two, she had given birth about a week and a half or so earlier. And so I went ahead, just did the math and, and realized that, you know, 2016 was a leap year. And so I told her there's a good chance she could be giving birth on leap day. <laughs> so are you planning the first birthday for the 28th of February in 2017 or are you going to do it in 2020? Yeah, we're still negotiating that. Right <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Cool. It's like a Gilbert and Sullivan musical. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're that good, huh? <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, you know, I, I think personally, you know, for, for me, I, I do think that you have to work on learning your craft and continuing to get better. I was fortunate enough to go to Tisca recently and it was a lot of fun and one of the things that was really cool was uh, Janet Gregory was there as the keynote speaker and she was mm -hmm. co-author with Lisa Crispin on agile testing and I think you you mentioned that book in some of your notes oh yeah um, oh yeah and yeah. so I actually I had the chance to sit down and have dinner with her uh, and a bunch of other people but I got to sit next to her and, and listen to her about her book and where it came from and she's had to do so much research and studying just to write a book like that and to do what she's doing for so long. Uh, it was actually very impressive to think about how much she must have had to have learned to write a book like she did. That's that's uh, sounds like a really cool opportunity that you had. I, yeah, I, was, I guess I was lucky. What are some of the books that you've read recently? And I guess what do you consider your craft? Well, <clears throat> since I work as a test at uh, Digital Smiths, I feel like um, my craft has to do with with uh, being a quality advocate for the user. And so there are times when um, you have to consider who 
the user exactly is. There's some um, some interesting things with digital Smith because of our uh, our our clients and such. They are our our user, but then I find myself also trying to be a, a good quality advocate for um, like our technical operations and our in our support uh, management, so that uh, you know the experiences that that they have doing their jobs. Um, it aren't hindered by things that could get in the way, uh, you know, with with things that might happen within the product development. And so, you know, I feel like that's a, and that's part of, um, you know, what what I, part of what I feel like is my responsibility as a quality advocate, and um, and part of studying my craft is studying, you know, how those those users, those end users, you know work and function and what are some of their their pain points and what are some some ways that we can um, you know be more helpful to them so that's really interesting talking about being an advocate for some of the other stakeholders on a project yeah what is it that you do to actually find out what their needs are in order to know that you represent them effectively well I work really closely with um, with our technical operations uh, group, in especially in regards to rollouts of uh, new releases of our applications, and so so I, I get firsthand experiences of you know the different problems that that they uh, you know come upon, and, and so so during my testing pro- process, I have a better idea of you know what they are actually doing. Um, in order to, to you know get things into production and to help maintain things in production and so because I have an understanding of how how they work I'm able to during my testing ensure that you know that those processes are uh, you know without without any issues without any pain points that they might experience along the way yeah, I think that's really interesting. So one of the things that you sent me was a mind map. And oh, yeah. I, frankly, had never looked at a mind map before. And I mean, I guess I've looked at them before, but I haven't looked at them. Um, I haven't written one myself. So what was the tool that you used for that? And then let's talk a little bit about what you put in there. And this was basically you brainstorming about continual learning. Yeah, so the other day when you know I reached out to you about about that statement that I really latched on to, the, the wheels in my head just started turning and stuff. I thought about you know, a number of different uh, you know, things that, that can go into the discussion in continual learning. So to answer your question about the tool itself, um, it's called mindmup.com, M-I-N-D-M-U-P.com. And that is actually a tool that was, um, was largely written by uh, Goiko Adzik, uh, he's a uh, professional um, who is uh, nationally and globally known throughout the world. He's done uh, this project, but he's done a number of different other really cool projects. You, you can find him easily on Twitter. He's he's out and about doing some really cool things. Um, he's written a few books. Uh, he has a good testing mindset about things, and so. Uh, this is just basically a uh, mind map. Is basically a tool that allows you to easily create uh, mind mind maps that you can 
collaborate on with others. You can you can save them to your Google Drive, and you can um, you can do some some pretty cool things with them. And this just helps kind of helps you jot your your thoughts down as as far as you know different things that you think about in regards to a certain topic and help keep them organized in somewhat of a spatial manner. Yeah, so mind map was really cool. So let's talk a little bit about what you put on there. Yeah, so <clears throat> I was just thinking about continual learning and like how do we actually go about continual learning? And to start out with there's a number of different like tools that you can you can use with continual learning. And I, I kinda had those broken out into um, two categories. I had like passive tools and interactive tools. And the passive tools are just kind of uh, include tools that you just kind of do on your own. Uh, they're kind of a little more um, internal, internalized. Those are like, you know, books or, or podcasts, um, things that these are activities that you just do on your own, but then it, 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 there's not really any sort of like engagement factor to it. So it, the flow of information is from the external source and it's coming to you and you have to absorb it, digest it, and then process it inter internally, but you're not actively doing things with the information at that moment. Right, right, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you can also include like maybe like YouTube videos or, or other yeah. lectures or keynotes and stuff like that and the interactive tools uh, these are all things where you have to you're you're active you are using it trying to apply knowledge that you're learning on the fly right yeah so like twitter can even be used as an interactive tool because it's a, a it's a way to collaborate with other people and and you can uh, learn from others experiences and and such. The same thing goes for like blog articles. You, you're able to be interactive with uh, people who comment on them. Uh, you can also be um, interactively learning through conference sessions that you may attend or other meetups that you might go to. So do you find yourself, since, since you're clearly aware of the difference between the two of these, do you find yourself using one more than the other for a specific purpose? Like when you want to learn a specific thing, do you actively think through, I need an interactive tool for this or I need a passive tool or is it just, you know, which tools work best for what and go for it? So I, I think that they all have their place uh, for um, different purposes. You know, it, books and, and uh, podcasts are, are really good just just to to be able to absorb, you know, new information that you might not otherwise have have known about. But but more of the interactive tools are, are really good for for ideas and subjects that you have some sort of a um, you have some sort of a grasp on and, and have have you know worked with in the past and and so you have new experiences to share and things to learn by actually you know, working with them by, by doing something with them. So, so say on Twitter, you're actually engaging with other professionals in your industry, then you can 
follow industry leaders and, and follow their tweets and, and about some of their experiences. Uh, and you can <clears throat> share about your own experiences in that industry. Between, between the passive tools and the interactive tools, I mean, I know I have my preferences and it, it seems to shift. So, uh, for example, there's a lot of times I've been watching YouTube videos and sometimes they're kind of interesting, but I find that more often than not, uh, I will fade out pretty quickly if I'm right. watching a YouTube video. Um, if it's like longer than seven minutes, it's really right. hard for me to stay focused. Right. Um, books I do a lot better, um, especially if it's a book that while I'm reading, I guess he's in sort of like an interactive fashion. So, for example, I'm trying to teach myself Elixir. And so if yeah. I've got like a text that's kind of stepping me through different concepts and I can immediately apply it to an interactive session, that keeps me more engaged. For yourself, I mean, do, is, there, is there a way to kind of deduce like which one is the most effective for you or is it completely contextual? And depending on what kind of mood and your task, does the tool matter? Yeah, I think you latched on to something there about it being really contextual in nature. Uh, it just kind of depends on what you are trying to learn and absorb. And so for yourself, like what's the, what do you think is like the, um, what, what have you learned about yourself in using the tools? Which ones do you favor and, and why and at what times? Yeah, so um, I definitely enjoy reading. And so I, I do enjoy, you know, getting involved in, in books and, and learning different new ideas and, and concepts from there. I'm actually reading right now um, this one book about uh, uh, how not to be wrong about the power of mathematics. It's kind of like the Freakonomics for, for math. It, it's got a real, some really neat um, concepts and, and, and ways to relate uh, math to the everyday world. And it's it's a, a book that I came across a, a few weeks ago um, in a local bookstore here, and it's just one of those things that I um, I wasn't actively looking for this particular subject, but it's a subject that interests me, and so uh, I, I've been able to to get involved in in it by reading it and then thinking about it and mentioning it to other people. Um, I, I didn't actively seek it out. But it just kind of came to me. So there are times when you're you're learning from different sources that um, that kind of you just kind of come across and not necessarily actively seek out. As far as things that you're actively seeking out, like you had mentioned, um, there are a number of different ways that that you can do that. I I don't particularly have a preference, a, a go-to um, source that I always look to when I'm looking to learn something new. Um, I will usually use just a variety of different resources that I've mentioned um, here just a few minutes ago. Yeah, it's, also, it's interesting that on your mind map, um, you mentioned exorcism.io as a social... Oh yeah, that's been a good... Yeah. yeah. But, and it's listed as a social site for solving challenges. And it's funny, I haven't really used the social side of it, but I have used it as a okay, like I'm going to spend 15, 20 minutes working on a problem and then submit it and I go back and I'll check other people's solutions. But I haven't done too much, you know, while I'm working on it. I guess I feel like it's cheating. It's probably not the case, right? I mean, the point is to actually look at other people's code and kind of see how they're implementing stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's how, how I've used that. I've, I've 
when a new when I pull down a new problem, I go ahead and read through the README and then you know do the problem and and eventually submit a uh, you know submission and then after I've submitted that, I go back and I, I have the ability to take a look at, at others who have recently completed that exercise uh, and take a look at how they ended up coming. Um, coming up with the solution in their own code, and then you have the ability to to comment on that that and and ask ask them you know why did you choose you know one route or another or give some accolades about you know a, a certain neat little you know trick that they may have used and uh, you know by by actively actively looking at other people's code you can also learn a lot. So. So one of the things that you didn't mention on there and that I've become more familiar with in the last probably seven or eight years is there was this statement, I believe it was Aristotle who said, to know a thing is to teach a thing. And one of the things that I realized lately is when I try to sit down and teach a subject to others, I have to know it at a whole different level than if I just read about it or learn from others or talk with people about it. I was wondering, that didn't appear on your mind map, but is it something that you're aware of or have used? Oh, yeah. I, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was not something that um, initially occurred to me when I you know, put all this together uh, a few nights ago. But, um, but you're, you're completely right. You, when you're trying to teach someone something, you have to actually think through the whole, the whole subject that you or just whatever you're, you're about to teach, you have to think through it and think, think from the beginning from a stance where, you know, you're someone who, who has no idea what you're about to be taught and you have to figure out what all the foundation, you have to figure out the foundation that needs to be laid um, so that you can go step by step uh, how, you know, you have to, <clears throat> in order to go step by step um, and layer by layer in order to get to you know the pinnacle of you know the the as the the point that you're trying to make the um, the subject that you're trying to teach, right. like you have to know the subject from first principles, and yeah. you have to be really well acquainted with all the fundamental elements of the of the domain in order to because like if you're going to teach it to somebody else that since they have a completely blank mental map of what the thing is, yeah, and, tabula rasa, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And the way that they may conceptualize the concepts might be totally different in terms of mental organization than yours. So you have to kind of like calibrate to like, well, how does their brain work? Okay, now I have to present it possibly in a new way. You might have to reorder the information. You might have to use different analogies. But the only way you can do that is, like you said, you have to really know the thing to begin with. Yeah, you know, what's funny to me, though, is when you're teaching these things and you get the questions from the people, it blows my mind sometimes where other people's brains are. Yeah. And, I, and I, don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a way that I couldn't conceive of where their brain is, and it's very valuable to me to learn about it. It is, because you actually find yourself learning um, new things about the subject that you're trying to teach, things that you never really considered. Yeah, absolutely. And they, other people can conceptualize things so much differently than you because they're, they're wired differently. Um, yeah. Even if they're approaching a subject in a complete wrong way. I hate to say that, but sometimes a student goes off on the wrong path, right? And if they're, if they're not 
getting it, it helps you understand uh, the, the the effort that it takes to try to help get them back on the right path can help you understand the subject even better. You were, weren't you a graduate assistant, James? Yeah, long time ago. Did in you galaxy far, far away? <laughs> <laughs> Did you experience that? Oh yeah, uh, all the time. Um, I mean, I was pretty unskilled as an instructor, so it was definitely like a learning process. But the shocking part was, uh, you know. You, when you when you finally realized how little you knew about something, and you realized that people are coming to you and they're kind of looking to you like, oh, you know how this works, and you're like, lady, I'm just a couple years ahead of you. <laughs> like I barely understood it myself. I'll tell you what I know. Um, I mean, in some cases, it's just a matter of experience, right? Like like um, I remember I TA'd for introductory science, right? And you get people coming in and they're like, I don't understand how a function is. Like, what 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 is a function? Oh, okay, well. Let's go back to the drawing board. You know, let's break it down. Um, those are the, like those are easier. But then you would get a couple of students who'd be like, "Well, I don't understand how this works. I don't understand this concept." Uh, and they'll ask a very uh, insightful question about um, you know substitution principle in design, and you're like, "Oh, let me let me think about that for a second, because <laughs> you know clearly you just can't give them." Up, uh, you know the standard textbook answer because they've already read that right and it's sometimes very frustrating for them because they'll be like you just can't repeat back what I've already read so you have to like think of it in a new way and so I, I think I did pick up the skill of asking someone enough questions to the point where I would try to figure out where the gap in their understanding was and sometimes that's a little tedious but it's like okay like I know um, I don't know where you start but I kind of know where where I where I start, let me try working my way backwards, and so it kind of leads to do a binary search on where their skill level is, and I'm pointing into the air right now, so you, you can see <laughs> not see this, but I'm kind of pointing at different spaces, saying like if I'm here and I know you're way over here, I'm gonna try to find at some point in the center, ask a question, do you fall to the left or right? Oh, okay, you don't know what I'm talking about. I gotta I gotta break it down further. So that's that can take a while, but I think like if you're trying to teach someone, trying to figure out where they are is super important. And I guess there's a process that like they teach teachers, right? I'm sure. But I, I got to tell you that I've experienced the same thing plenty of times as well. We've got two and kids now, right? <laughs> right. It's, like a, it's like an everyday thing, right? It's an everyday thing, but the trying, you're right. Trying to figure out where they are is difficult, but I also have to ask people for their patience. Um, I find that that's incredibly important in trying to help them get to a point where they understand the concept is trying to get across because they're sitting there frustrated already. A lot of times they're trying yeah. very hard to understand whatever this concept is. Then they're sitting there talking to someone who knows the subject and why can't you just answer my question? And sometimes the answer is exactly what you said. I can't answer the question because I don't know what you're asking. I don't know where you're coming from with that question. I don't have the context that you have to ask it. But once I do, I'll be able to help you. Yeah. And if you would just be patient with me long enough, I promise you we'll get there. Right. Yeah. So where does Brian fit in? <laughs> so that, that's really interesting because um, a few years ago, I actually um, participated in this testing challenge type thing with... Uh, with a guy on Twitter, his name is Stephen Blower, and basically the challenge uh, had to do with a, a a a sequence type thing. It was like 
you know, one number equals one number, another number equals another another number, another number equals another another number, then what's this last number equal? It's, you know, one of those type of questions. It's like a pattern type thing. And so when I initiated the challenge, I'm, my my uh my first my first response was of course wrong and so uh he he went ahead and worked through um my assumptions and worked through you know asking questions to to help help guide me in such a way that you know i i was um challenged with my my perspective and on the way that you know things could work and it amounted to, in the end, I was, I was of course, you know, able to uh, finish the challenge and, and eventually figure it out. But it, it took some time and effort on my part, thinking through things and and analyzing things from a different perspective, in order to do so. And I think that was a good experience for for me and for him as as the the guide and the teacher in order um, to, you know, bring me to the point where I needed to be to, um, to learn this, this pattern concept that, that he had. It, it was a neat experience. That's cool. And it was strictly yeah. over Twitter? Yeah, it was strictly over Twitter, just direct messages. So I have a couple questions. I guess one of the things comes from what I'm reading right now, which is, until now, for whatever reason, I never read Elizabeth Hendrickson's book, Explore It. Oh, man. And one of the things that I saw on your she, – she was on your list, on your uh, oh, yeah. mind map. Yep. And it's a terrific book. And oh, yeah. I've read some really terrific book, books lately, especially the one that Bob Galen and Mary Thorne wrote about the three pillars of agile testing, I think it is. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the Elizabeth Hendrickson book on Explore It, everyone had talked about it. I knew that she was getting – enormous on Twitter and, uh, you know, Twitter famous and conference famous and everything else, but it's because she wrote this really terrific book. What are the resources that you would give a tester today that are the absolute, maybe the top three absolute must read or must do activities? Well, Elizabeth Henderson's uh, Explore It book is definitely up there it's definitely an awesome book i was excited um you know when she first put it out and i actually reached out to her um after listening to her on the ruby rogues podcast and uh you know it was a really great podcast i really loved a lot what she had to say and her book's phenomenal uh everyone every tester should definitely read it definitely um i think that Twitter is an important tool to use. Um, get on there and follow, you know, your, you know, industry leaders in your profession. So if you're like a tester, you should get on there and follow Michael Bolton and James Marcus Bach, Elizabeth Hendrickson, um, Lisa Crispin, Goiko Adzik, Lynn McKee, Alan Richardson, Mark Tomlinson. And you should also follow you know, some local leaders as well. I would include yourself, Paul, on there, and James, and uh, Mary Thorne, and Bob Galen, Andy Hunt. They all have uh, some really good Twitter contributions that, that you know, testers can learn from. 
Yeah, along with that, I think one of the things that's really fun for me to read is Bob Galen's um, blog posts. He, uh, oh, yeah. he has a really good blog on the R. Galen Consulting site. So that's a good one, too. But he's a terrific resource for all things Agile. Agile Bob. Oh, yeah. And then if, if you're interested in the context-driven uh, testing community, um, there's uh, James Marcus Bach and Michael Bolton's blogs to, to keep up with. They've got really solid... Uh, articles on, uh, you know, thinking about context when testing and and uh, talking about heuristics and oracles. In fact, uh, heuristics was a was a subject that I added tonight um, that we should talk about because it's a it's a word that a lot of people probably aren't familiar with, but it's just basically techniques for discovering or or learning on one's own, and so. You know, kind of what we're talking about is our uh, different heuristics that uh, we can use in order to, to learn. Gotcha. And have you actively worked to develop those? To develop? Your own heuristics. My own heuristics? So you can pretty much pull heuristics. It's just got really meta of, in here is all I'm saying. <laughs> What's that? Paul said it just got really meta up in here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can basically pull heuristics out um, from from pretty much anything. The, I think the the main thing with heuristics is just actually realizing that you're actually doing it. Uh, that you're actually using something like like opening your eyes and actually looking at something in order to learn something about it or by reading the the text of a log that you know your application has spit out you're actually you know learning something from that you know there's a number of different heuristics that you know you find yourself anyone can find themselves doing but you don't actually call them heuristics until you actually realize you're actually doing them gotcha you know, it's funny talking about this. I had this um, idea the other day running both for Fairmont. I've got to find ways to create more value for customers, and I've got to find ways to be different than the competition. And the other day I was reading that the book that we were talking about, the Elizabeth Hendrickson book, and it's like, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night, I'm reading that book instead of watching The Walking Dead or whatever it is. <laughs> And I was just wondering, what is it that my competitors are doing? And I just got really, really excited about that because I know they're not reading books on their craft right now. I know what they're doing. And that's the difference between between what really makes it and doesn't, I think. I think the people in their field that do these things as an employee, how are you going to get to that next level? How are you going to impress your boss? How are you going to be in a position of leadership amongst your peers? How are you going to be able to contribute back to a community or contribute to your team? I think these are the things that do it. And these are the things that you can get really energized about and really build on if you continuously learn over time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I had an interesting experience last year where we were looking to hire uh, a, a new QA engineer on our team. And so, you know, I was... An, I was able to be involved in in the uh, the process of you know going through and um, interviewing others 
or interviewing candidates that came in. And one of the, the questions that I would ask them is, you know, well, what are you doing to, to continue to learn? And a lot of times, I think most of the candidates that we actually interviewed, the response was just kind of like a deer in the headlights look. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm supposed to continue to be learning. I thought that, you know, all my learning was complete when I graduated from college or whatever, you know? <laughs> and, and so, you know, I'd ask, I'd ask that question. I'd ask, you know, what are you doing to, to study your, your craft, you know, to learn more about your profession? And, you know, the same type of response usually. But uh, the, the one guy that um, we, we did end up hiring, I, I liked his response. And uh, he, he said, well, you know, I, I've come to this interview to, to learn about new opportunities. And so, you know, that, that really – uh, got to me as you know being a, a pretty unique response. He's actually doing something to learn rather than right and, and doing something physical. Actually, getting in there and getting an interview to learn about you guys. It's also a really nice technique with the um, interviewing there is to kind of flip it around and say, "Well, look, I'm here trying to figure you guys out instead of him, you trying to figure him out." So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did end up hiring him. <laughs> well, that's yep. good. Yep. I guess it worked. Yeah. That's cool. Well, what are your other thoughts on this? I mean, we, we kind of asked about a few of the big things that people should read. What made the biggest impact on you so far in your career? What are the things that um, maybe the maybe one of the biggest things that's impacted you or the biggest benefit you've gotten from learning so far? Um, I think just like taking the, the opportunity on the job to uh, – to learn um, about new things, uh, you know, as as they come up, I, I was able to, uh, you know, learn some new tools, uh, some new programming languages. Um, was able to uh, <clears throat> learn some new concepts and testing, and, and how to. I, I one of the things I'm currently learning to do is. Uh, how to be like a, a, a team leader uh, within our small QA uh, group at Digital Smiths of two people. But, you know, still uh, I, I'm looked to as a, a leader there and stuff. And so just trying to learn what does that actually mean and such. Yeah. If you can lead one, you can lead many. If you can't lead one, you can't lead any. That's that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it doesn't really matter how many people are there to lead. It matters how you get the concepts across and learning leadership. Leadership's a whole new skill. That's awesome, man. I hope it goes really well, and we want to hear more about it as time goes on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's definitely something that, that I am uh, currently learning about and excited about. And, you know, I am sure that I'm making plenty of mistakes and, and failing at at it in different ways, but I think that, you know, that's another way that we, we go about learning is, is trying different things and, and realizing where, you know, we have, by actively doing something, have may have failed, but then we can adjust our, um, adjust for the future, you know, how are we going to go about it, you know, a well, little bit differently in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Learning from mistakes is huge. Totally agree. 
So if, if, if I'm a young person who's just about to graduate from school and um, I know I'm going to get into technology and I know that that's a field that's constantly changing, um, the technology that I'm going to school with, with, I know it wasn't relevant not two years after I left. For the most part, you know, you can relearn everything. So, and I think most kids are aware of that as they're coming out of school. Or they will be pretty pretty quickly. So if there's one piece of advice about how to more effectively absorb and digest all the new stuff that you have to constantly write. I feel like like we're like knowledge surfers, right? We're like constantly <laughs> riding that wave of, oh, there's one more thing we gotta learn. Like what what would that advice be? Uh have a good RSS feed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, that and just use your gut intuition, you know, when, when you come across, you know, the, the latest craze or the newest technology, you know, is this something that, that you have heard about before? Is this something that, you know, might be, you know, you know, soon to kind of blow up or, you know, is this something that maybe you're, you're finding yourself interested in? Use your gut and instinct and, and uh, you know, go from there. If something doesn't, if you try something, if you get something, get into something, and then you know you're not really feeling it. You know, it may not be for you, but you know, at least you've learned that aspect of things, so you can go on to something else. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Brian. This has been a really good conversation. I know for a fact that Digital Smiths is an excellent place to work and to learn and to grow as a tech technical person you guys are part of the TiVo organization now and you're based yep. in Durham up in the American Tobacco District yeah um, so anybody who wants to learn more I believe can go to digitalsmiths.com I know a bunch of really good folks over there and they've hired some really great talent in this area and uh, I, I know a couple of the leaders over there as well and they're people that are respected for a long time I worked with before and will always respect um, so I just I couldn't think of anything negative to say about digital smiths. They're just terrific, and I, I'm sure you feel that way too. Oh yeah, we definitely have an awesome team, and you know probably one of the best teams that I've worked with in my you know somewhat short career. But uh, I I definitely feel really blessed to to you know be at Digital Smiths and working with the people there because you know we definitely have an awesome team of knowledgeable people who enjoy what they're doing, and uh, you know. One of the really cool things about the team is they they really understand and respect the the fact that you know we need to have a quality product and so you know they 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 respect you know my um, the things that I have brought to them to their attention about you know different issues that we need to address and you know I think that's part of why we have been so successful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a cool place to work up there at American Tabaster, Tobacco District. <laughs> Sorry. What did I say? Tabasters? <laughs> it's a cool place to work up there. American Tabasco. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. I can't Tabasco say it. Tabasco District. The world's leader in Tabasco production. <laughs> right here in Durham. American it's Tobacco the Campus. We're taking and they're just from there, right? Crates like, of Tabasco sauce. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how am I going to edit? This is an outtake for sure, right? It'll be on the bloop, the blooper reel. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, Brian, thanks so much for joining us. We really enjoyed it. Anything you want to leave us with? Uh, if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, my handle is BBBCO. You can follow me there. Absolutely. And you always have good thoughts on there. I follow you. We always have good conversations. And you're really good at pointing out things that are of interest to others as well. Lots of retweets that are good and good links. Awesome. Awesome to hear. Thanks for that feedback. Cool. And thanks for all your feedback on the podcast. Any other listeners that are out there that have something to say that think would be interesting on the podcast, please get with us. I'm D. Paul Merrill on Twitter. James is J.D. Jeffers. The, you can find Reflection as a Service on Twitter, Reflection AAS. You can also find Reflection.com, ReflectionAsAService.com online. We're all over the place. Make sure to review us on SoundCloud, review us on iTunes. Those reviews help us make it so that we can do more things for you all. James, it's been fun. It's been real. All right. Well, let's do it. Y'all have a good week. Later. Ciao.